Hi guys, I'm Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, May 8th here in Omaha, Nebraska. We got a nice sunny day, kind of cool and crisp out there, but a beautiful day all in all. Um, welcome to our podcast. This is a podcast about workplace safety and health. Safety people talking about safety. It could be more exciting than that. So welcome. Good to have you back. Uh, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Safety Reports. Safety Simplified. I don't know if you're using Safety Reports. If you have not checked it out, you should do so. It's an incredibly valuable tool, uh, a resource. And um, I want to thank him again for having sponsored this last series of episodes. So thanks to Steve and everybody over at Safety Reports. Um, April was a pretty lean month for me as a safety consultant, and I'm looking at my guest, and he's kind of nodding along. I mean, April was tough. Most of my clients um, postponed or canceled, uh, understandably, and um, I'm just starting to get back to work. I've I've been in a few facilities again. Uh, It's a little different. Um, using Using a mask, typically, if you're inside the facility, I'm leaning toward the microphone. Sorry, man. Um, I'm, I'm always too loud, man. This is just the, the kind of the nature of, uh, you know, one of my issues and challenges. But, um, yeah, you should tell I talk on the phone and my wife, if I'm talking on the phone, I can just see my wife in, in the room. Just that person on the other end of that phone just must be in, in pain. You know, I'm just, I don't know what, I don't know why I'm so freaking loud, but it, it's just the nature of, you know, anyway. Uh, it is good to be back in the plants again, though, man, and that's a little different. You know, you get screened coming in, and uh, I've been wearing masks in a lot of facilities, which is fine, absolutely fine. Um, if you're doing industrial hygiene work, you got to hang some equipment on the employees, and so if you're close to them for a few minutes, I, you know, wear the mask, and then when we separate, take the mask off, that kind of thing. Um, it is interesting, though. It is different, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I do have one comment I want to make. I, I was, um, and well, let me introduce my guest first, and you can you can chime in on this, man. It, it is this is episode number twenty eight. I don't know how we've gone this long without having you on the podcast. My guest today is Rob Lucky. Um, he is a legend in the safety community. You have been doing this about as long as me, if not longer, man. I mean, I, I can remember when I first started with OSHA in the nineties. You were already doing this, weren't you? That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So Rob is uh, he is a a subject matter expert. You are a we we all think of you as a fall protection expert, right? Uh, uh, Would you expert at heights? <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> at heights. Exactly, man. You are an expert at working at heights, and you've been doing this for a long time. When I first started with OSHA, and we would go to the the safety council conference, Rob would be there demonstrating the drop, you know, doing the drop tests, yep. demonstrating the equipment, and you've been doing it then. So. 20, 30 years in this business, man? Uh, well, let's not go 30 years. Come on. <laughs> right. Well, you're but, a young guy. But, but over 20, that's over for sure. Over 20, no yeah. shit. I'm, I, yeah. uh, you were actually the original notorious one. I don't know if you're uh, an MMA guy or anything. Conor McGregor stole your nickname, but this, was, this is the original notorious one. Uh, infamous maybe is a better word for you, but um, yeah, man. So thank you for being here. It's oh, good to see you. appreciate the invite. Haven't seen you for a while. It's good to see you. Hope you you and your family are all doing well in these uh, interesting times. Well, we're all doing good, but now we're all living under one roof. And dude, uh, I know. Like you said, it's a new challenge. It is a new challenge. We're used to seeing each other for a few hours here and there. Now we're Uh, back living together. Back living together. (laughs) I know. I know. I don't think any of us really envisioned this, man. It has. uh, It has been an interesting. Our 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 children are about the same age. Grown people, actually. You know, they're all in their twenties and. 
you know, they had been gone for a while and now they're back. And exactly. uh, I used to swear that was never going to happen, but, um, it, you know, it took a pandemic to do it, but my kids are back. Exactly. So. Well, we have three kids and, uh, only one came back and, uh, one of them back in the house. The other two are out living on their own. They have their own places and uh, oh. they're doing okay. Oh, good for you. Um, one came, he's in California, drove all the way back from California. Did he? For home uh, cooking, or did they? Did he? Did he have to leave, yeah, or did he just? Yeah, he goes to Biola University. Oh yeah, and they shut down the university. Oh, I and, uh, He's going to need a car, so we made him drive all the way across. Oh, yeah. two, day, two, two, <laughs> two day drive, and he made it back. And, I have uh, made that drive, man. That's brutal. Uh, well, I don't know if he'll ever go back to college now. <laughs> he gets up in the morning. Mom's got his coffee for him. Got his oatmeal. Oh, geez, you know, man. makes his lunch. Like, See that? That is a problem. I think they are growing accustomed to this treatment, man. And I, I know my wife does the same thing. She actually makes my son, one of my boys is home, makes him like grilled cheese sandwiches. I'm thinking, if this kid can't make a grilled cheese sandwich, we, we have, you know, we have betrayed the poor bastard. You know I mean? You know, exactly. I mean, he needs to be able to make his own grilled cheese sandwich, but she. Well, the take- other problem with that, Doug, is that. You know, did she make you one? Probably oh, no, not. Absolutely you know, not. I get up and I go make my own breakfast, my own lunch. It's like, uh, you know, I help pay the bills here. Exactly. Uh, he's I'd just like mooch- he's mooching off of us. Uh, you could make know, my, man. and uh, but it's fun and yeah, it's, no, it it's cool. a blessing that you know all knock on wood, all of our family's safe. Right. And uh, we all get through it. Everybody goes to the different corners in their house. But we haven't had yeah. that problem too bad. And oh, that's uh, cool. But it is, it is actually somewhat comforting to have them close by exactly you know, to, to know that they're doing all right, man. Yes, it is tough. So yep. getting back to you, um, I started in safety. I saw an ad, uh, from the DOD, the department of defense, uh, looking for an industrial hygienist. You saw an ad from the DOD as well. Didn't you, as I recall, uh, maybe a different ad, but, uh, weren't you in the, the military? For well, I, was in the, I was in the army and, uh, I was airborne air assault, and uh, I'd come back to go to college at UNO. I was in the National Guard here, and I was actually selling cable while I was going to college, and a gentleman was in the safety field, Mm -hmm. said, you know, you'd be great selling in the safety field. And so I went to Libra Safety and looked at all this stuff, knew nothing about safety, looked at the glass and the hard hat. All I could remember is when I was a kid building my tree houses and stuff. <laughs> right. Like, oh, this is cool stuff. Yeah, but I wish I would have had that stuff. Exactly. Well, we, you know, we had some of it, and uh, we used it. We thought there was toys, and uh, we started. I started working with them, and I started finding a passion for safety. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the fall protection side of it, love heights, being in the military. So you were um, jumping out of planes, yeah, in the military. Jumping, getting thrown, <laughs> whatever. However, exiting planes. <laughs> right. It was either uh, jump or uh, deal with the jump or master. Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but um, it's crazy, man. But the nice thing is, oh, I got in and uh, was with um, Libra Safety for a while. Mm-hmm. Then actually became the branch manager for a company called Safety Master, which is no longer around. Okay. Um, they've changed names several times, and. Uh, Actually, was in the fire side of safety for a little bit. Okay. But then Miller Fall Protection called me up. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And uh, that's where I really kind of clamped down into my education with fall protection right. and uh, my love for it and helped design some of the products that they're using. Um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the sales team, we were all expert man or 
experts at Heights, mm-hmm. and we help design some of the products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to go into a room about the size of this uh-huh. with salesmen and engineers, oil and water. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, if you stood outside, people were wondering what the heck's going on inside. And we'd come out with some of the products that were designed. Cool. We'd work with our end users. Right. Um, the engineers at that time did not just sit behind a computer thinking of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was practical what the end user needed. Right, out on the job site, exactly. evaluating the need, yeah. Yep, and so we'd go out there and we'd work with them and test stuff. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, and Miller's grown to be one of the world leaders. There's a couple, couple of them. Now they're owned by big conglomerates. Mm-hmm. And that, and about six years ago, I came to Falltech, right. which is kind of, in my view, where Miller left off. Okay. And the sales team, uh, subject matter experts, uh, we're in the field. We help design it. We work with our engineers. Right. The owner of Faltech, uh, super guy, uh, used to own custom leather craft, mm-hmm. uh, sold that off, very invested into Faltech. We are one of five fall protection companies mm-hmm. that actually have an ISO 17025 test facility. Oh, no shit. Okay. On site. And so oh, really? a lot. And where are you guys headquartered? Where uh, is Faltech? Believe it or not, Compton, California. Is that right? Yeah. So it's funny, during my presentations, I can tell everybody we're basically straight out of Compton. <laughs> right, no doubt. That is awesome, man. So your owner is from Compton, or he just somehow no, he just chose that no, as a... He's from California. Okay. L.A. He, he, he was a, an immigrant. Uh, mm-hmm. His family came over. Uh, actually, he started years ago, if I remember right, like selling purses, mm-hmm. uh, importing mm-hmm. stuff leather, like that. Leather goods. Leather goods. Mm-hmm. And then got into back in the... Early or late seventies, early eighties, when the back belts and right. uh, tool belts started coming into play, right? And a uh, tool belt company reached out to him. He said, "Could you do fall protection?" So he was a very small niche fall mm-hmm. protection company, and there's roughly fifty fall protection companies out there right oh, now. I didn't know that. And there's probably a, there's only five I would ever recommend. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. ten that would are okay, but right. then the rest. Are very questionable. Questionable, sure. And I don't know if they test a lot of imported stuff now. Unfortunately, coming in from uh, mm-hmm. China or Mexico, and not that it's all yeah, terrible, man, but it is what it is. It's just... it, some of it's not even tested. Yeah, that's not and uh, but Michael, the owner of Alltech, uh, got started getting involved after he sold off Custom Leathercraft, mm-hmm. and we are we run neck to neck with the big boys. Mm-hmm. So. So you were the Miller guy for years, man, and yep. that's how we knew you. Everybody in this community, certainly in this region, knew Rob Lucky as the Miller fall protection guy. And as you yep. said, they were they were bought up by like Honeywell or something, weren't they, or they, some big outfit? Or well, they went through five acquisitions. Roughly, they were Miller, uh, Delos, Miller, uh, Baku Delos, oh, yeah. Spirian, uh, and then Honeywell. Yeah, bought them, and uh, and that changed them obviously, as I, it always does. It, it does, and when you're owned by you run by shareholders, right? And again, this is my opinion, but sure. when you run by shareholders, uh, things change. Yeah. They've unfortunately a lot of their stuff now is manufactured down in Mexico mm-hmm. uh, at a Tijuana plant yeah. uh, for Faltech. Yeah. Over eighty-five percent of our product is manufactured and/or assembled in Compton, mm-hmm. California. Oh, no kidding! Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. I did not uh, know that. Yeah. And so, how big a company is Faltech? I mean, so and so, what's your title? Uh, um, Midwest Regional. Sales manager uh, yep. or vice president of sales or something. Well, that's my own title. Oh, right, from your personal title, right, right. <laughs> no. The one you put on your business card. Exactly. Yeah. You know. yep. uh, no, I'm, I'm the Midwest okay. Regional okay. Sales Manager. 
So you're still covering the same territory, basically. This, yeah. Everybody still knows you. They recognize you as the fall protection guy. Yep. Yep. I'll bet. Yeah. So, and then uh, we go to California on a regular basis uh-huh. to help design uh-huh. some of this stuff. Uh, we work with a lot of the different verticals, being construction is probably our primary. Right. Sure. Um, the construction market's still going strong. Yeah. It's funny during this virus, everybody shut down. But all the construction guys are still out there. The construction guys are still working, man. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we get calls all the time to help them out. And for the first couple weeks of this uh, pandemic, I liked Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm yeah. starting to not really like right. it. I think that we're all having that same <laughs> yeah, issue, man. Exactly. But a lot of our clients, as you know, need help, but they, yeah, we can't go on their sites. Right. And That's even though tough. a lot of our training is outside and we mm-hmm. can spread people out, they're like, nope, we don't want any outside party. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll, we'll give them yeah. our recommendations and uh, diagnose what right. their problem may be. And right. To the extent that you're able to, you can exactly. still do some assessments. You can still yep. do some kind of remote or virtual evaluation and at least help them find solutions. Exactly. And yeah. so, uh, Kind of funny story is my wife and I came back from Hawaii, celebrated 28 years of marriage. Oh, no doubt. Um, so I think she thinks she deserved it. <laughs> I bet she did. <laughs> right, and you know me long I enough. I know your wife and you, but yeah, yeah, she deserved it. She deserved it. Right. And uh, but we came back, and I had to be in uh, Wisconsin. And we got back on Tuesday morning. Wednesday morning, I left, drove up to uh, Minnesota for a meeting, went over to Wisconsin for a meeting on Friday. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies were... Uh, it was actually a, a show, and people were packing up and leaving. Their companies were telling mm-hmm. them, we're done. We're not we, doing we it. want you to go home. And I talked to my boss, and he said, we have nothing official yet. He said, do what you need to do. Right. And unfortunately, I had to be in Green Bay, or in actually Sturgis Bay, right. uh, that following Monday. So I just stayed the weekend in Green Bay, so kind of sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, being uh, isolated by myself at a hotel mm-hmm. and then got up and drove another hour and a half up to Sturgis Bay. Then I get the email and the phone call. Okay, now go home now. We're I'm, pulling the plug. And I'm 12 hours away. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. But we were, I was on at a shipbuilders. Oh, really? And, oh, interesting. Or, and uh, it was fascinating and seeing what they were doing. And there were a lot of things that they needed some help on. Yeah. And we're working with them now. But, yeah, everybody's still working up there. And Of course, man. And, I mean, safety hasn't shut off, man. I mean, no. Even though we have these issues we have to deal with, and there's certainly serious issues, and we've, we've kind of had to find a new way to provide our services, it doesn't mean that safety has turned off. I mean, these people are still working. They still have uh, fall exposure issues. They still have challenges. We've got to keep providing the service. Well, and when, Doug, what was funny with this group is, I mean, you see all these cruise ships now that have the viruses, and mm-hmm. you're hearing of like Carnival Cruise that had people there. They've been out there for, what, three or four months on yeah, a ship. Yeah. Um, some of these ships that this company was working on were coming in from being out on the lake mm-hmm. for months. And really? their, their crews and oh, the safety director up there was telling me, he goes, yeah, we don't know if anybody had the virus or not. And mm-hmm. But yet all their employees were going all through these uh, ships doing repairs oh, and yeah. Uh, adding stuff to the ships and a lot of interesting fall protecting challenges on a ship. I'll bet. Oh yeah, that's yeah. cool. I've never even considered yeah. that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, some of the stuff that they're doing. So let me let me get back to fall tech, man. So it's not you. You are not a huge company. You're a, a kind of a, would you call yourself a small or mid sized company in in the industry? I mean, compared yeah. to some of those monsters that you compete with, but 
actually, I would say we're a midsize. Okay. Um, we're definitely not a small mom and pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, you know, we're one of five ISO uh, mm-hmm. test facilities, mm-hmm. but we're growing. We're we're doubling our business every year nice. uh, with our sales team that we have out there, with our engineers that we have. Um, this company has made a major change in the last three to five years, and the structure has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Miller, who is our VP of sales, uh, really structured the sales team. Uh, we're all experts in certain areas. Yeah. Um, and Michael, the owner, has basically said, you run the company. Yeah, and Scott cool. and the executive team have done a great yeah. job. Our marketing people are fantastic. And so I would put us in that mid-range. Yeah. And but we are right, currently, from what I understand, we are the fastest growing, largest fall protection company no that, ma- that manufactures in the U.S. No kidding. Yeah. And so the majority of your products are manufactured here in the states. Yep. And are assembled. And unfortunately, on a lot of the componentry that goes on harnesses, sure. a lot of it will come from overseas. Yeah. yeah. And with with the way things are going, especially with steel products, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, one of the nice things is a lot of companies like U.S. Steel now, mm-hmm. a lot of their old plants now are back up and running. Yeah. So so there is some availability. Yes. And there might be an opportunity to maybe manufacture some of those components here locally. Well, that'd be nice. At least nice. in the States. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And I've always known, I mean, it's interesting to me that, you know, the sales guy, much like yourself, you're really just a subject matter expert who happens to be the point of contact with the user so you're, I've always known you to be a hands-on guy. You're always out on the sites. You're demonstrating stuff. You're, you know, testing stuff. I mean, you're, you know. Yep. Um, I really like that about uh, that approach that, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like the company is uh, still focused on identifying and addressing the needs of the user. Yeah. That's cool. It, it's one thing about that. Being in the sales side of safety, you'll get safety directors, Especially when you get on construction sites, you get foremen and, you know, some grumpy old guys. Uh, you know, you're a salesman. And after they we do our presentations, after we do their training, stuff mm-hmm. like that, they're like, no, you're really a safety right. person. Right. And that's why I tell everybody, I'm actually a safety person, safety professional, just having to sell. Right, right. Fall protection. Exactly. And so oh, that's cool, man. So, yeah. And so, so um, I don't mean to like, but you were a drill sergeant or something in the military at one time, were you not? At Fort Knox, Kentucky. Is that right? Yeah. Because you kind of have this drill sergeant persona. <laughs> now you're a sweetheart. I don't mean to suggest that, but you are, you're kind of an imposing guy. I mean, you were a yeah. football player in college, as I recall, yeah. you're a big guy uh, with a, but kind of a sweetheart, kind of a, would you, you know, kind of a teddy bear of sorts, right? I mean, that's got to yeah. help in this work environment, oh, I would think. It does. Yeah. You know, safe safety, as you know. Nobody likes us, right? You know, as a drill right. sergeant, nobody likes us. Sure. Um, and as a drill sergeant, I I was kind of pushed that direction. I'm not a drill sergeant type overall. Your mentality uh, is not exactly. drill sergeant, yeah. But, um, but you, you could you look the apparent. You look like you could have been a drill sergeant. Man. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. that's a compliment. Truthfully, it, it is. Yeah, um, but and, it probably and, helps that interaction out on the job sites. To I mean, and again, I don't I don't mean this to sound wrong or anything, but. But you look like a guy who could be doing it, who could mm-hmm. be slinging a, you know, swinging a hammer just like you are out there, um, right. you know, working on fall protection issues, you know, and that probably yeah. helps you interact and relate to the customer to some degree, it I does. Would suppose. You know, one of the things in what we do in safety 
is we talk to a lot of different audiences. Mm-hmm. We may talk to the CEO of a company. Right. And we may talk to the lead foreman, the buyer, safety person. Right. And being able to talk to them in their language. And relate to them. And relate to them is very important. Genuinely relate and, to them, not just make that shit up. And what, exactly. And what's funny is sometimes it's actually easier and harder at the same time talking to the people in the field using the mm-hmm. equipment versus mm-hmm. the CEO or the safety yeah. person. Yeah. They, they're they like, well, if it's good and uh, you're going to stand behind it, great. But when you're out there and you're talking to the um, foremen and the workers, mm-hmm. they're the ones that wear this every day. And yeah. you know, when it comes to fall protection, you want to make sure that it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure it's the right. Everybody thinks fall protection is just fall protection. It's just all the same. And it's yeah. far from that. You know, it basically for a lot of these people, you know, when you get iron workers, carpenters, uh, concrete guys, mm-hmm. um, that's their office. They sit right. in that harness eight hours, long. 12 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And so having a good, comfortable harness that doesn't bind them, doesn't slow right. up. And if it is an uncomfortable harness, they're going to put it on very loosely yeah. or wrong. Right. And it can do, if they wouldn't have that unfortunate fall, it could do some serious damage. Yeah. Yeah. So over the 25 years or so that you've been doing this, I don't mean to suggest you're an old guy, but, but over those 25 years, um, things have changed dramatically, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I remember those old, I mean, everything, well, I remember the belt era, you know, when guys were wearing belts, which is probably worse than hitting the ground under some, you know, some circumstances, but it's come a long way, man. And, um, um, it's been impressive, you know, that I think that uh, the industry in particular, fall protection industry has really been responsive to the needs of the users. Yeah. You know. No, a lot of things have changed. You know, you talk about the belt era. That's when I had come into this. Mm-hmm. Um, belts were to keep people from falling. And at that time, they thought more of a restraint, but mm-hmm. people were falling in them. And what a lot of people don't understand is if you take a 250-pound person and they fall six feet into a rope or webbing mm-hmm. uh, without a shock pack, they can generate up to 4,000 pounds of yeah. force on their body. Yeah. And so people were wearing belts, but they would have ropes. And sometimes, if you look at a lot of the roofers, they would have 10 feet of rope more oh, along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they would hit the ground, or people would fall and snap their back. Or yeah. And like guys, we always wear our belts a little loose. It would be up around mm-hmm. their abdomen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now you have all that force hit their, bo- their abdomen. Mm-hmm. And the bad thing is, if somebody had that and they survived it and were able to get down, back then, we re- and especially in the early 80s, we didn't have safety professionals at the mm-hmm. time. You can go to your boss and say, hey, I fell, my gut hurts. Go home, sleep it off, we'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, they had internal bleeding, not right. even knowing what's going on, and right. go home and that's that. Yeah, oh, that's terrible. And so the, safe, you know, the safety professional, like you and I were kind of talking about early on, um, is now you see safety degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we we kind of got into the safety world on a passion and right. or a job right, opening, right. and uh, yep. but now you know it, it's a true profession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what was your degree in, by the way? Business. Uh, your business business yeah. major. Yep. I mean, that's a yeah. good universal degree, though. It I mean, it, it probably had its um, utility in the safety world, having yeah. some understanding of business and knowing how that works. I was a, like a biochemistry major, man. I mean, you know. Um, and like most people that went into industrial hygiene back when I did, it was because I didn't get into medical school. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of why, you know, I've got a science degree and a science yeah. background and all of a sudden I need some kind of a science related job. Uh, I didn't even know what industrial hygiene was when I went to the job interview. I just saw the prerequisite was chemistry and biology and those kind yeah. of things. And I had plenty of that, but I didn't know what an industrial hygienist was, man. So it was yeah. uh, kind of that whole micro philosophy. It was an opportunity that has yeah. worked out well. And it sounds like you kind of took that same path. Well, like my dad, before he passed away, I would always say with my business degree, it's a degree for somebody who doesn't know what they want to do in their life. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in, in business. But now now with the business degree, like all the degrees, they're actually becoming more uh, focused on certain uh, avenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my son who goes to Biola mm-hmm. is, is a business major. Is he? Uh, but he kind of has a... a, a a specialty or at least yeah. an idea like finance yeah. or yep. accounting or something like Actually, that. Actually, he's uh, more emphasized on real estate. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. There, yeah. So, oh, yeah. No doubt. That's a good place to be a real estate person, probably. I In hope Cali. so. <laughs> exactly, man. I, I know California, when we go out there, and it's expensive. So, I, so let's talk about, um, you had mentioned that most of the regional sales managers in your company have some expertise Mm -hmm. and you all are bringing different expertise perhaps to the table. So you, you cover a broad range. Um, what, I mean, what, what would you describe as your expertise? I mean, I know you do fall protection all over the board in all different industries, but. Yep. No, we look at a lot of different verticals. Um, and when, before I came over to fall tech, uh, when I was at Miller, uh, I did a lot in the wind industry. Oh yeah, and over here in Iowa, you know, they're actually the one of the leaders in the wind industry. Yeah, turbines uh, everywhere. Tur- yep, turbines everywhere, and they're still going up. Nebraska's catching up to them. Uh, I shouldn't say catching up, but they're. Are we? Yeah, we're putting up quite a few of them now. Okay, but Iowa's actually the leader. Yeah, they um, have lots of wind turbines. Iowa currently is, from my understanding, is the only. Uh, State that has done the twenty percent renewable energy. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So, and that wow. So, it, it's fun. Um, Three hundred twenty-five feet up. Years ago, when uh, we started getting into this, uh, we were out in Medicine Bow, Wyoming, with a company called Clipper. Uh, they were out of Cedar Rapids, mm-hmm. and uh, we were out there doing training. We have at that time we had a product called Safe Escape. They still sell it. It's mm-hmm. a controlled descent device. Right. Uh, the, right. The nacelles up top. And we had 35 guys we had to train. And how to use this how to use escape it. device. So we had a few oh, of the, and basically it's a rope and you connect onto it and it drops you four feet per second. You so it's just this controlled descent. It's just lowering descent. you down from the housing, that motor housing up on the top? Yep, or? they call it the nacelle. And we got up top, we got everything hooked up, everybody ready to go. Um, being in the military, uh, being airborne air assault, I'm like, you know, this is great. And uh, <laughs> I had a couple other guys, oh, yeah, we were in the military too. I'm like, well, let's get ready to go. And uh, the supervisor's like, who wants to go first? And they're all looking at each other. And one of the guys made the comment, well, you're the salesman and our trainer. Why don't you go first? I'm like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, and it was 40 degrees outside and a little windy, and but it's a fun ride. And, oh, dude. Uh, once we, is, it, uh, is it a fun ride? You know what? Just think of yourself as Disney World or Worlds of Fun, Adventureland, yeah. where you know when you get on those rides, 
like especially the roller coasters, you hold on real intensely. Oh, They're yeah. all saying you had to let your hands go and you wave them and you're having fun. Exactly what these guys did. Once they let go and they were actually starting to descend, they started hooping and hollering. Oh it's like, God. you're done. The, once you hit the ground, don't come back up. Yeah, you, know, you don't get to go yeah, again. Yeah, it's not, it's not Disneyland. Oh, but, um, my God, man. But, yeah, so uh, we do stuff in the wind industry, the, mm-hmm. the tower industry, mm-hmm. uh, for, like, your cellular towers. Right, a- sure. AT&T, uh, Verizon, all those guys were fall protection. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, we also do the oil and gas industry. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I cover North Dakota up in the Bakken. Yeah. And uh, things have slowed up up there. But all those guys on their rigs. Man, it was booming for a while. I remember when yeah. you were telling me you were going up there about every week, it seemed yeah. like. Yep. Yeah. For a Hampton Inn, I was paying $300 oh a night. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. I and like, probably 20 bucks for a cheeseburger yeah. at the. I'd go to Kansas City and stay at the Ritz Carlton for $300 a night. And now yeah. I'm in uh, uh, North Dakota out in the Bakken and it's like three ninety nine or two ninety nine. Oh <laughs> at the Hampton. But they do have a nice breakfast. Oh, okay. You go with that. Okay. It's, it's a free oh, breakfast. But that has slowed down. You're not. No, we're you know they're well now with unfortunately with this virus things mm-hmm. have slowed down even more. Just about everywhere. Um, yeah. But they were starting to come back. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the big oil companies are starting to drill again. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we said, there was a boom at one time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was incredible. And unfortunately, you had twenty year old. Uh, not, High school kids, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids right. getting jobs in the oil fields and making good money, going out yeah. buying big trucks, outrigging them, thinking this yeah. was what they were going to do for the rest of their life. And they were paying very well up there. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a, you know, three to five-year three to five year run. And then the bottom fell out. Right. And the oil's still there, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, down to Texas. Mm-hmm. We, we have just a ton of oil. Um, but unfortunately we can import it so much cheaper right now. And yeah. that's why a lot of the companies aren't drilling. Right. I gotcha. But, but that's a big industry for us. Too. And what were the, what were their fall issues? What were they really, um, dealing with? The rigs when, okay. when they had to put up the drills Yeah, okay. they're, they're climbing on the rigs all the time. Gotcha. Uh, Bozeman's share, they have, uh, uh, escape devices, basically it looks like a cable, that mm-hmm. they would just clip on and ride it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, at, a, at a kind of a vertical, I'm sorry, okay. at a vertical horizontal at an angle okay. uh, so that they can get away from the rig if oh, the rig yeah. is on fire. Yeah, gotcha. Interesting. Yep. And so okay. that, that that's, makes sense. that's another industry, general industry. All, all yeah. the plants we go into, the food processing yeah. plants, mm-hmm. all the maintenance guys. Right. Use fall protection. Anybody in lifts, right? Well, guys on top of equipment, on equipment, doing service or maintenance on top of equipment. Guys in yep. lifts all the time. Yep. What about? Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, man, but one of the issues that I see regularly is that uh, loading the flatbeds. You know, trucks mm-hmm. either out in the yard or inside the facility. Usually, they've got some kind of overhead cranes running, and there is always a challenge with. You know, guys having to climb up on the materials and either put rigging in place or to attach or detach loads, whatever that might be, that is an incredible challenge. And OSHA has always been, you know, somewhat wishy-washy on that whole thing. We were all kind of hoping they would say something in the new subpart D, and they didn't right. about rolling stock issues. So um, is, this, is that still a struggle? Are you st- people still yeah. struggling with that? Or They are. They're 
any good solutions coming on into the market? Well, if we look at a facility that they can actually pull a truck into a bay or mm-hmm. to a loading slot, a lot some of them now have gone to nets that will actually go from the concrete over to the um, flatbed. Okay. So that person would fall off. They they would. So they're land. in that they're in a in that depression that slot that exactly. they can back into that. Yep. Basically, so that the decking the the. The flatbed is level with the, the floor. Exactly. But exactly. there is that gap that you're stepping over. So they're, they're netting that up or something? There's, some of them are netting that up. Okay. Um, we love to see fall protection above, mm-hmm. whether we do it in a horizontal lifeline, whether it be a cable or a rigid rail, preferably. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the biggest problem, Doug, is, as you know, we have the overhead crane. Right. And That's tough. I have seen people attached to the overhead crane. The bad thing is that's the lockout tagout procedure yeah, now. Right. And the bad thing is if somebody else has that control and they take off, now you're Peter Pan. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and We've so, always been a little bit skeptical about that. Yep. There are there's a lot of steps you have to yep. go through to make that work. And on a flatbed, there's no way to really attach anything to that. People have said, well, how about making a like an L bracket or a post that mm-hmm. you put it in mm-hmm. and put a retractable on that? Well, again, you're flying a crane in. How are you going to You yeah. have to kind of put that in and out? It would become really a labor-intensive right. type product. Yeah. And people are trying The nets have come into play. Um, I've seen, I have seen, like, uh, if you are up against the wall of the facility, uh, I've seen companies that maybe, like, swing a davit out that can, you know, be swung back against yes. the wall under certain... Yep. When you're not using it, swing it out and maybe attach to a retractable or something. Yep. They're not perfect, though, man, you know? No, no. It, uh, there's a lot of, um, a lot of swing mm-hmm. potential in those because they don't necessarily, like you would with a rigid rail or a cable, they don't necessarily mm-hmm. track along with you. No. Uh, they don't give you great mobility options, and so there are a lot of swing issues that come into play with that that no. I've seen. And oh, exactly. You, that's you, tough, if, man. If you have that davit arm that's attached to a... Uh, a vertical beam. Mm-hmm. Though that's great. And they mm-hmm. actually do make some where they'll actually, because your beams are usually 25 foot off mm-hmm. center, and they'll put a rail between them. And the, so they'll have two davit arms oh, okay. that will come out. And so they can actually put a rigid rail between. Okay. That's kind of cool. And, but not everybody, you know, they do have a little bit of a price tag to them. And, yeah. And they're not you know, perfect. They're not perfect. And again, the way a lot of the plants are set up, some of them would need to be reconfigured, and mm-hmm. it is it's that million-dollar question that's an ongoing uh, challenge. It is. And so... Yeah, and man. Are, are you making it safer by doing those things? Or are you, I mean, sometimes creating a greater hazard without even knowing it, you know, kind of that law of unintended consequences where, you know, we're, we think we're trying to address an issue, yeah. and maybe we've made it... Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge proponent of the jump away to save yourself thing. But man, if you're on top of, on a flatbed and you can, you know, if you're, if you are, um, restrained, sometimes you're stuck, you know, I mean, that's, that's a horrible thing to say as a safety guy, but I'm not convinced that it's always better. No, I, I agree. And the other thing that comes in with that, Doug, is you have to look at, okay, they put this equipment in, are they training on the equipment? Are they using the equipment? Right. Right. Sometimes it's a boxy check. So mm. when OSHA walks in, there's our fall protection. Do they right. use it? No. <laughs> Hasn't ever been used. Yeah. Yep. Pristine. And, and it's very similar to the residential roofing. Yeah, you man. Know, OSHA started mandating residential roofing to have uh, D-rings in it yeah. and that the workers wear fall protection. We can leave here and go drive by some of the residential 
roofing going on right now, yeah. you'll see guys in harnesses, but they won't be attached to anything. Right. They don't even have uh, anchor points in the roof. Mm. <laughs> right. you know, uh, our, 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 At least have the decency to put an anchor point in if you're going to try to convince me you're using fall protection. Our million-dollar question is, uh, you know, we haven't gone Bluetooth yet, so when you fall it, it catches you. You yeah. have a harness on. You, you do have to be attached. You have to be attached. Yeah. And so... And workers are falling off of roofs all the time. Yeah, that is such a tough one, man. It I, is. I can remember I was with OSHA when they kind of revised those rules back in 2010. They yep. they they basically abolished the those interim guidelines. The you know the the slide guard yep. allowances and basically said the residential guys had to do the same thing as the commercial guys and and that was really challenging and it's uh-huh. still challenging. Well, you know? and what's even more challenging. Under new construction, you could put an anchor point onto the plywood, then put your flashing, then your mm-hmm. uh, roof, and leave and leave that up there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the builders don't want to leave that anchor up there because what happens if that rusts or it right. damages? Is that going to come back to them? I, they just see liability with that. Exactly, and I don't blame them. And and it, and it wouldn't. Um, the manufacturers still stand behind them, and most mm-hmm. of them are stainless steel. If it steel. was installed correctly, yep. But the other thing is though what. Is funny about the residential roofing now is I've had calls from companies like Roto Rooter, mm-hmm. Direct TV. Mm-hmm. Their technicians are on the roof. The service guys that are out the there that guy have to get yeah. doing some work. They're not they not gonna tie off. Um, if you have an existing house, you don't want the guy from Roto Rooter or Direct TV coming up there and drilling <laughs> right. in, into your tiles. <laughs> right, right, and. Uh, Exactly. And, you know, now, now you have Direct TV, and it's a thunderstorm outside, and it's raining in your uh, living room. Yeah. And no, so, exactly. but they have, OSHA has fined some of these companies. They have. And as manufacturers, we've looked at there's it's that's a very tough thing to yeah. come up with an anchor that can be connected to a roof, right? That isn't permanently attached or penetrated into the roof, right? And right. You know, that's a tough one, man. Where, where this unfortunately yeah. got started years ago in California, um, my understanding was four guys were working on a roof. There was no place to tie off. Best place to tie off: throw the roofs uh, ropes over a roof. Sure. Tied a Silverado. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, and they and they had their rope. suitable anchor point. Yep. Right. You know they're not going to pull that truck over, but then they were working on the other side of the peak. Uh, three of them decided to go to lunch. One guy was going to finish up. How you disconnect three ropes and not the fourth one. And they took off for lunch and they took their buddy with them. And unfortunately, it was a fatality. Yeah, I've heard that story. And uh, that's where uh, Washington, Oregon, um, and California, especially Cal OSHA, they're a mm-hmm. very tough OSHA right, group. Right, pretty strict. Yeah, and now they're mandating new houses being built. Or actually, they're putting the anchors into the house. Yeah. I. You know, that was something that... Um, it seems like the only reasonable solution that they they go in from the very beginning. You put anchorages into that peak beam or whatever, and when you set that, and as you said, you 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 know you roof over it and leave it intact, and then anybody yeah. that comes onto the roof can utilize that as an anchor point for service or maintenance yep. or re-roofing, whatever the case might be. But until it's either mandated or until the home builders realize that maybe they're not buying a bunch of liability by doing that. Right. You know, I can remember going to the home builders associations as the OSHA guy and promoting that. And you could just see the look, they weren't having it, man. 
Yep. You know, I, they think, were really, I think you they, invited me to that meeting, too. I think we went to that one, right? <laughs> right. Oh, my God, man. When we were out there, you know, when they made those changes and we were out there on the road um, yep. talking about possible solutions and what the new requirements were, we met with a lot of uh, hostility, as I recall. They, yeah, were, yeah. they were they were not excited about those changes. If this would have been the Wild West, we would have been tardive. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> rough, man. Well, what about new stuff? I mean... Well, for one, th- what industry do you enjoy the most? Any- anything in particular that you really enjoy doing? I mean, it sounds like you do some ridiculous things, jumping yeah. out of wind turbines and stuff, but and climbing and climbing, yeah, climbing the towers. Yeah, I mean, if you're up demonstrating, I mean, you climb towers too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the uh, highest climb I've done was the 1500 foot out here on 72nd. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, and being a big guy, I don't move real fast. Yeah, that, that has to be tough. Oh, it, I mean, it has to be exhausting. Yeah. They, they have lifts in them to a certain point. Do they? Yeah. They will get you up to a certain level, yep. and then you climb from there. Yep. But the towers on 72nd, uh, even on a completely still day, they will sway 10 feet. Seriously? Yeah. Each side. That's just the natural movement yeah. of the metal? Yep. 10 feet back and forth. Yeah. So it's a 10-foot it's a travel. So it's basically 20 foot. Oh, dude. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. And when you're up there at the top, I mean, it just must feel like you're on the end of a whip or something. Eh, can you sense it? You can sense it, but at the same time, you're you don't want to look down. <laughs> oh, Rob! But no way, man. But it, but it is one of the coolest views. Oh, man! Know. And that and that's one of the things I tell everybody: what we do, especially in safety, isn't always a a, it's a thankless job in a lot of cases mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. you save somebody's life. And, right. and I've gotten some beautiful letters from people that, you know, have told me, you know, you came in, you did the training, you had, we had fun with you, but I hate wearing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then they've had that fall. Wow. And they thought, what could have been? And so... That, and, they, and they were appreciative. They were they, grateful. Ex- exactly. And the neat thing is, so knowing that we've saved people's lives mm-hmm. means a lot. Oh, that's a big deal. And, but also... So, Getting to go into some of these facilities uh, is just really fun. It is, and fun. see how things are made, how things are done. I agree. Processed. Um, you know, some of the cool ones uh, down in Topeka, Kansas, was Free to Lay. Uh, mm-hmm. The workers down there, they get bowls, and if they want, they they can go up to any of the lines: Fritos, Cheetos, Funyuns, Burritos. <laughs> And Did my, you say Funyuns? Oh, yeah. Funyuns? <laughs> oh, man, I love those. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what. There is nothing better than hot Doritos or Funyuns, Cheetos. Right come, out of the machine. Come hot out of that machine and put them in a bowl and eat them. I tried to microwave them after I opened up a bag. It doesn't work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, that is So that, that's one of the perks for the employees? Uh, yeah. Well. For a period of time. I yeah. imagine after about 10 years of that, you're just not quite as anxious to eat Doritos exactly. probably. But. Well, it's just like anything you get bored. But, yeah. uh, and they have to sample so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah. As I mean, from a quality it, standpoint. Yeah, from the quality. Uh, just like up in uh, Lamar's, Iowa at Wells Blue Bunny. A blue Bunny. I just yeah. drove by there this past week. Yeah. And we did a lot with them on anchor points. Yeah. Because their guys actually sat on these vats where the motors are that turn mm-hmm. the ice cream. And we came up with some anchor points. So they've got to be on top of the vat. They're yeah. more than four feet off the ground, obviously. Yep. So yep. And they're reaching overhanding motors. And oh, yeah. so we created some stuff for them. Um, but the neat thing is they also have a sampling room. And 
it's it's like a big candy store or an ice cream store, <laughs> right. and they they let me go in there and have whatever ice cream I want. Awesome. Yeah. You know, when security comes and says, "Yeah, <laughs> it's time to go. It's We're like, closing up." <laughs> but it's like yeah. the old Budweiser tours when we would you know go through the Anheuser Busch facilities yep. and yep. you know which is fascinating. I mean, I think you know brewing and fermentation. Yep. The process is fascinating. And there is that, uh, you know, the courtesy room there at the end as well. That exactly. I, I do love that about going into facilities, man. I yeah. was it was I was in a facility this week. Uh, they do um, chrome plating of uh, hydraulic cylinder shafts, mm-hmm. and I'd not seen that process before. I've seen a lot of plating operations, mostly you know the tanks, you know, from dip to dip to dip, yep. you know. And uh, this was a little bit different process, and man, it is really interesting and. It's always interesting to get somebody who works in those facilities who takes great pride in what they do, but most people have no idea what they do and, and allow them to kind of explain it to you. Yeah. Uh, it's always interesting to see how much pride they take in their work and how, you know, oh, yeah. they really light up when you show some genuine interest in what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, and all the manufacturing we have here in just the Midwest, it, it is. It's fascinating, whether mm-hmm. it be the plating, uh Auto parts, the yeah. manufacturer, some in Lincoln. Um, well, everything that oh, serves the ag world, everything ag that world. serves the food processing world. Yep. Yeah, and, um, you know, and my heart goes out to all the food processing people right now. You and yeah. I both been in the, many yeah. of the food processing plants. I've been in Tyson, Smithfield. Yeah, I've done a lot of work with them, and people don't understand that that chicken or that beef they pick up out at the grocery mm-hmm. store how it got there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen it from when they walked in the cattle right. till the end process, right. and it is—it's a tough environment. It is hard work. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's incredibly challenging right now. And I—I I know, you know, I've got a number of clients, as do you, that are food processing people, and and they take this very seriously. They're really working hard to provide a safe work environment, COVID and otherwise. I mean, you can't just shut off everything else while we're trying to address the COVID issues. Exactly. You know, the fall protection issues continue. The machine guarding issues continue. All of that stuff still exists in addition to the COVID challenges. Um, I agree with you, man. Um, I think if people understood where all of these products that that have become just second nature to us, where they all come from and the amount of work that goes into it, I I think they'd have a greater appreciation for that stuff. It is. Yeah. It is really one of the highlights of this job, and I think that, you know, for somebody that uh, I'm, I'm not here to promote safety as a career, but it has certainly been a good career for both of us, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it, particularly at this point. You know, we're kind of on the, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but we're kind of toward the end of our careers. I would assume you feel that way, too. Yeah. I don't know if your boss feels that way for you, but um, <laughs> uh, but we're approaching the end, and it's even gotten better, man. Um you know, the more I learn, the more I know about it, the more I enjoy it. And um, it's it's been an interesting ride. Well, you know, one thing I would say is that the older we get, Doug, the more interesting the process becomes. That's true. And when you're younger, you're, you kind of know it all or you think you know it all. And as I've done this for so long, you know, people say, okay, you're a heights expert. Mm-hmm. You know what? I that's the term they use, mm-hmm. um, but I learn fall protection every day. Mm, right. uh, safety is something that changes momentarily. It does. Uh, fall Constantly. Prote- con- it's a constant movement. Yeah. And same is just fall protection, just that one niche of fall protection. And when you look at the 1910 or the 1926, 
look how big fall protection is. It's, you know, just a small offering of what, you know, OSHA Mm -hmm. has to cover. Mm -hmm. And, but fall protection is never just off the shelf. And this is your solution all the time. And, uh, I've, I've been very blessed to have the job I have and I enjoy it. And I love some of, uh, I call them good friends now. Right. Uh, Some of these, uh, iron workers, uh, construction guys that look like they would want to throw down with you. (laughs) Maybe having that drill sergeant look to me, that mentality, uh, standing toe to toe with them is I tell, and this is what I tell people, you know, unfortunately, if you would fall, your troubles may be over with, Mm -hmm. uh, if you fall and survive now, you may be a burden to your family, right? If you wear the equipment and wear it right, now you get to go home. Right. And the thing is, if you fall and pass away, we're sorry to lose you, but your troubles have just begun for your family, friends. No doubt, man. Co-workers and company. Well, I think that, you know, that that really is the point. I think, you know, people need to focus on the why. You know, we tend to think about how and what, but I think, you know, Simon Sinek, I, you know, did a video on uh, why, focus on the why. And I kind of have to remind myself that periodically, why we do this, why it's important, why the employees need to believe it's important. And if you can stay focused on that, I think, um, you know, you're doing pretty well. Yep. So, man, it it is really good to see you. So if if people want to get in touch with you or they want more information about Fall Tech, uh, website, email yep. address, what do, you, what do you got for them? Uh, fall, basically, falltech.com. F-A-L-L-T-E-C-H. Yep. Falltech.com. Falltech.com. How do they find you? If you, it, Do you want them to find you? or <laughs> if, they, if they want to find me, right. it's rlucky, R-L-U-C-K-E-Y, at falltech.com. Awesome. So, That's cool. Good, man. Well, I, I recommend they do find you. And uh, as I said, uh, infamous, famous, notorious, whatever the description is, uh, you are one of the most recognizable safety professionals in this region. I mean, everybody knows you. Everybody that I encounter in the safety world, I mention your name or have you spoken with Rob, they all know you, man. So that's, that's a credit to what you've been doing. So well, I appreciate the invite and hopefully come back again sometime. And yeah, I hope so too. I always appreciate what you do. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah, when Faltex got some new line coming out or something or or uh, something you want to talk about or promote, please just let me know and and come back and we'll talk about it. Well, sounds good. It's good to see you, man. So uh, you. I want to thank my sponsor, Safety Reports, once again. Steve, all those guys at Safety Reports, thank you for your support. Rob, thanks for being here. It's truly good to see you, man. It's been too long. Uh, hopefully we'll hook up with Mike and Tacey sometime and the six of us can get together again someday. Yep. And uh, everybody out there, just focus on the why. Just remember why we're doing this. Uh, keep up the good work and we'll talk to you again soon. A Parkville Media Production.